Let's pray together, church. Praise the Lord. Praise the name of Jesus, the Lamb who was given, slain for our pardon, who promised peace for those who believe. Praise the Lord. God, you have sent redemption upon us, sinners, the ungodly, the lost. Oh, Father, we're so grateful. You've saved our soul. We ask your spirit, Lord, to come and to awaken and to revive and to speak through your word this morning. Oh, God, may you, may you grab our attention. Lord, may you conform us to the image of your son. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We have a tradition around our house on Thanksgiving, and we have many, but one of them is that three of my sons and I play a football game, and we call it the Turkey Bowl. And every Thanksgiving, we get together and play it, and um, look forward to it, and, um, and have a great time at it. Well, this year was no different. Well, it was a little different because it was raining. We didn't play the turkey mud bowl, so we played it the day after. We went down to the pond, and as we were playing, it was a great game. It was back and forth, lead changes, and uh, it, it, we were just having a fantastic time. And, uh, and Titus and I are on a team, and, and I'm looking downfield for Titus to try to throw it to him. And, and Eli takes, and, and he swipes the ball out of my hand. And so there's a, a fumble, and if you're familiar with football, that's a live ball. You've got to get the ball. So Eli and I are both there looking down and thinking, we've got to go get the ball. So we both turn and go for the ball, and Eli's a little bit ahead of me. And, uh, and so I see him, and I'm like, he's, he's going to get this ball. They're going to win the turkey bowl. We're getting close to the end. So I pushed him over the ball, or at least attempted to push him past the ball as an old you know, wise guy trick when you're... When you're 46 years old, you've learned some tricks. So you just, you know, he's running toward the ball. You just help him and get him past the ball. Well, I, as I push him, he was actually going to land on the ball, to dive on the ball. So when I pushed him, lost his balance, landed on his wrist awkwardly. And as he hit the ground, I hear a giant thud and then a shriek that went, I, I'm not going to do it for you. Something like that. And I thought he landed on an animal because of that noise, but it wasn't an animal. It was actually my son shrieking in pain. Well, um, I said, and at that point, I, the other boys can, can attest. I was like, oh, man, what have I done? <laughs> I've broken my son. So he gets up and he's foaming at the mouth, I think, at this point. He's He's hurting. <laughs> He's hurting, and, and I look at his wrist, and you can see it's like already growing as you're watching it. I'm like, oh, man, this is a bad deal here. Thankfully, it was not on, uh, on Thanksgiving Day. It was the day after. So I'm like, my, what's my wife going to say? This is not going to be good. We get him up, and, and so we end the game. And unfortunately, um, the other team had to forfeit, so we won the game. But uh, we, we get back, and that's not, I, 
They'll say that, no, y'all were losing when the game ended, so we won the game. So there's a debate on the 2022 Turkey Bowl. But anyway, we get back and injury, an extended injury timeout. So we get back to the house and he goes to the doctor and they say, well, it's broken. But then they call back and say, but it's not. And somebody looked at it anyway. It was uh, severely sprained is what we think at the end of the day. And uh, we came to church that, that Sunday, and he's wearing a brace. Many of y'all maybe saw him. Like, is he going to be able to play the organ? Uh, and, and so we had these questions swirling around our mind. And Eli never would say a word of, of how it happened. Oh, I, I hurt my, my wrist playing football. He didn't want to tell anybody that it was my fault that I pushed him down and hurt his wrist. Because Why? Because he loves his dad, I guess. He didn't want me to look bad, and, and that which I appreciate. Of course, I was willing to share that information because you know, I'm bigger and stronger than my son, and I can hurt him when I want to. Um, no, not really. There was a great grace shown to my son. Now, I had injured him. I had done him harm. Of course, it wasn't on purpose uh, in the slightest. But I had injured my son, and he had taken an effort then to show grace to his father. And I appreciated it because he had every right to run me down, have some fun with it. But he didn't because he is a young man full of grace. Well, we we were reading in the, in the book of Daniel this morning, and we're going to see another act of great grace. This time it's not at a football game. And I'll argue it is a much more powerful image of grace That I don't know if if you read the chapter that you come away thinking, wow, that is a movement of grace like I've never seen. I'd like to show it to you, at least as I read it, this is what I see and go, man, this is massive. Daniel chapter 5 is where we are. I'll read to you as you're turning to Daniel chapter 4, like I said, 4, Daniel chapter 4, like I said, read to you from 1 John two more times, church, two more times from from 1 John chapter 1. Quenania together in 2022. This is the message you have heard from us and proclaim to you that God is light. Isaiah's great light. In fact, in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we do not. We lie and do not practice the truth. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Amen. And praise the Lord. One encouragement for you as we head into the holiday season is this. You'll be together in 2022 for one of the last times. Take advantage of it. Show great grace. Show respect and honor. And speak the words that Jesus Christ is Lord. Daniel chapter 4. As a recap to set the whole story, I know that we discussed the first half of the chapter last week. I'm going to read through the story one more time for you. And then we're going to focus on the end of the story. But I would like to just read nearly in its entirety uh, Daniel chapter 4 to you. We'll we'll cut out a short portion. But verse 1. King Nebuchadnezzar, to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell on the earth, peace be multiplied to you. So this is a flashback from King Nebuchadnezzar, if you remember. He's speaking of something that happened to him in the past. 
It has seemed good to me to show the signs and wonders that the Most High God has done for me. Verse 3, how great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is what, church? An everlasting kingdom. We learned that from last chapter, didn't we? And his dominion endures from generation to generation. Go down to verse, uh, well, this was Daniel 2.44 is what I'm referring to, what he learned. Uh, Remember, the purpose of the first dream that Nebuchadnezzar had was to introduce the idea that there was going to be an everlasting kingdom. That's in chapter 2, verse 44, the everlasting kingdom introduced. I'll read it to you. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom, what church? That shall never be destroyed. It's an everlasting kingdom. Nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break into pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end. It shall stand how long? Forever. It's an everlasting kingdom. Got it? That's Daniel 2, 44. And what Nebuchadnezzar learns and proclaims in chapter 4, verse 3 is, his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. This is what we, even in the new covenant, understand. We're living in the everlasting kingdom of Jesus Christ the Lord. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. We're living in it, church, right now. The kingdom of God is what? God ruling and reigning in the hearts of his people. That's you and me. That is the kingdom of God prophesied in Daniel chapter 2. Recognized in Daniel chapter 4. Realized today with us. Let's go down to verse 10 of chapter 4. The visions of my head as I lay in bed were these. I saw, behold, a tree in the midst of the earth. Its height was great. The tree grew and became strong, and its top reached to heaven. And it was visible to the end of the whole earth. Its leaves were beautiful, and its fruit abundant, and, its, and in it was food for all. The beast of the earth found shade under it. And the birds of the heaven lived in its branches, and all flesh was fed from it. Fantastic. Of course, this is pointing to Nebuchadnezzar and his kingdom of Babylon. Verse 13. I saw in the visions of my head as I lay in bed and behold a watcher. I did a study on that word watcher. It's an interesting word if you want to go in and and look at it. A watcher, a holy one came down from heaven. He proclaimed aloud and said thus, chop down the tree and lop off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the beasts flee from under it and the birds from its branches, but leave the stump of its roots in the earth bound with a band of iron and bronze amid the tender grass of the field. So there's going to be a reckoning day for this tree, chopping it down, lopping it off and leaving only its stump and its stump under bondage. You getting the picture so far? Let him be wet with the dew of heaven. Let his portion be with the beasts in the grass of the earth. Verse 16. Let his mind be changed from a man's and let a beast's mind be given to him. And let seven periods of time pass over him. So there'll be an extended period of time. He's going to, the the tree will lose his mind. Nebuchadnezzar will lose his mind and become like an animal. The sentence is the decree of the watchers, the decision by the word of the Holy One to the end of the living 
may know that the Most High God does what? Are y'all following me? That he rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will and sets over it the lowliest of men. Nebuchadnezzar is saying, you need to realize that he is the ruler of the kingdoms of men and he gives them to whomever he wishes. God rules. Church, can y'all say that with me? God rules. He rules from heaven and he does as he pleases here on this earth. He even gives out kingdoms to those whom he wishes. Even evil kings and evil rulers and evil governments. Verse 18. This dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, saw. And you, O Belteshazzar, tell me the interpretation. Belteshazzar is Daniel's Babylonian name. So, hey, Daniel, can you tell me the interpretation of my dream? You did it last time. Can you do it again? Because all of the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make it known to me the interpretation. But you are able, for the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Verse 19. Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was dismayed for a while. And his thoughts alarmed him. We talked about how he had compassion for the king, knowing what's going to happen. Do we have compassion for the lost? Do we? The king answered and said, Belteshazzar, let not the dream or interpretation alarm you. Belteshazzar answered and said, my lord, may the dream be for those who hate you and its interpretation for your enemies. The tree you saw, which grew great and became strong. So that its top reached the heaven and it was visible to the ends of the whole earth whose leaves were beautiful and whose fruit were abundant and in whose food was for all. Under which the beast of the field found shade and in whose branches the birds of the heavens lived. It is you, O king, who have grown and become strong. Your greatness has grown and reached the heaven, your dominion to the ends of the earth. Now, again, we notice here God has blessed Nebuchadnezzar. He's given him great influence. He's given him leadership. And we think about this, that at at this time, God has shown great favor. and, And we can think about that even ourselves. The end of the year is coming. What favor has God shown to you this year? God is a God of blessing. He's a God who gives rich gifts to his people in abundance. But he also blesses those who are not his followers. And and Nebuchadnezzar was one of them. But here's the thing we learned from this is he had a purpose in this. He blessed Nebuchadnezzar. He may be blessing someone you know who's not a believer. And you say, why are they so blessed? God has a purpose in doing what he's doing. But we also have to realize, church, is this. God is not merely a God of blessing. But he's also a God who gives and who takes away. And this is the biblical principle. It's about to be revealed right here in Nebuchadnezzar's life. He's turned Nebuchadnezzar and built him up. Did he not say that he raised Pharaoh up for a purpose? And, And here you can remember the saint of old named Job. And he had these famed words in Job chapter 1 verse 20. Do y'all remember these? Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, fell on the ground. And what did he do? Worshiped God for taking away all of the things that he loved. 
Fantastic. And he said these words. Can y'all, can y'all read them with me, if you don't mind? Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'll oh, praise the Lord. He is a God who gives. He is a God who will take away. And that is the God who we serve. That is the God who we love. He's not just the God of nice Santa Claus dispensing things. He is a God who rules and who reigns. A God who gives and a God who takes away. And he's worthy in Job's day of worship. And what is he worthy of today, church? He's worthy of worship. Our worship. Continue reading in chapter in verse 23. And because the king saw a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, Chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump of its roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze, and in the tender grass of the field, and let him be wet with the dew of heaven. Let his portion be with all the beasts of the field, till seven periods of time pass over him. This is the interpretation, O king. It is a decree from the Most High. Which has come upon my Lord, the king, that you shall be driven from among men and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. You shall be made to eat grass like the ox. You shall be wet with the dew of heaven and seven periods of time shall pass over you until you know that the most high rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. And as it was commanded to leave the stump of the roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be confirmed for you from the time that you know that heaven rules. There will be seven periods of time. You're going to figure out that God rules from heaven. And then he's going to restore it to you. Therefore, verse 27. Therefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Now watch what he says. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness. Repent. Change your ways, O king. Break off your sin by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed. That there may perhaps perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. God has seen pride in Nebuchadnezzar. In fact, he tried to burn his children. We talked about that a little bit last week. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. This was an evil man, an arrogant man, a proud man who wouldn't hesitate killing anybody that crossed him. This is a despot. This is a ruler who has no one challenging his power. And as they say, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. You've heard that phrase and... Oh, how true it is so many times. Nebuchadnezzar is going to be cursed by his head being wet with the dew. He's going to be living outside, in other words. Uh, Last night we went outside and we were working on something by our trampoline. And uh, my younger boys were up on the trampoline playing. And what happened to the trampoline? What was wrong with it last night, late at night? Yeah, it was covered in ice, they said. It was was, uh, probably like ice. It was a dew that had covered it. Being outside, that's what happens. You're covered in dew. And so, so the curse of the pride of Nebuchadnezzar is coming. And he's going to live outside and, and be turned into something like an animal. Thinking like an animal. And, and we talked a little bit last week about the picture of what that looks like. Is that, 
that as you are apart from God and move further and further away from God's desires and God's will, the, the nature of us becomes more and more not like the nature that God has created humanity to be. Distinct from the animal-like uh, desires and cravings. And, and that's the, the, the image that God is giving to Nebuchadnezzar. That he is not who humanity was intended to be. I want to focus and pick up here where we left off last week. And that is the message that Daniel brought to him. It's, they told him, break off your sins. This is back in verse 27. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness. I picked the passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 5 because I think it's such a fantastic passage that gives us the message that we can share with others this holiday season, this Christmas season. I know we pray a lot for family members and friends who are not following Jesus. And as we think about that, we're going to see them over the holiday season. And I'm not asking for anybody to cause trouble. But I am asking for us to remember that, that the only Jesus that some of our family members are going to see is not in this church building. It's going to be us. And, and as we think about that, what can we do to proclaim Jesus Christ to people that we care about and love? That don't know him. How can they see Isaiah's great light? How can they see the hope of the nations? Let me read to you 2 Corinthians chapter 5. All this is from God. Who through reconciliation. Who through reconciliation. I'm going to start that over y'all. Try that again. All this is from God. Who through Christ reconciled us to himself. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. God has called us to be reconcilers. Think of the courage it took Daniel in front of a king who already had tried to kill his friends. Think of the courage that it took for him to say, King, this is bad news for you. You're going to be punished by God severely. I mean, look at the other prophets throughout the scripture who give the bad news to the kings. Even the kings of Israel. They're killed. They're thrown in pits. They're, they're beaten. And Daniel is faithful to share the word. Because he believed that he had been given the ministry of reconciliation. In a sense. Verse 19, 2 Corinthians 5. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. Not counting their trespasses against them. And entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. God has a plan of salvation. That is for the world. Brothers and sisters. We are the message. The messengers. The ambassadors. For that message of reconciliation. How can we share that? What can we say. In conversations. There is a reconciliation that can happen. Between you and God. Do you know about that? Hey I know I go to church a lot. This is something we've been talking about lately. That Jesus Christ has reconciled God and man. He's made a way to unite a holy God and a sinful man again. Can I tell you about 
Jesus, you know, we celebrate Christmas, a Savior who was born. But have you thought about the salvation that he brings and why he needed to save people? Maybe even, hey, what's, Chris, what's the meaning? Of, what's the true meaning of Christmas? A conversation starter. It's not merely that a baby came. It's that a Savior came. And his name is Christ the Lord. And he saves sinners that repent. Maybe it's just that. But this is a message that we are God's, verse 20, ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. Church, is he making his appeal through you and through me? Look, I know it's not easy. Just because I'm the pastor doesn't make it easy. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is so good. So what happens? So let's get back to Nebuchadnezzar. What happens? Daniel gives him the message to be reconciled, to, to repent. And verse 28, all this came upon Nebuchadnezzar at the end of 12 months. He was walking on the roof, the royal palace of Babylon. And the king answered and said, is not this the great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power and as a royal residence for the glory of my majesty? Now, remember the lesson that God wanted to teach Nebuchadnezzar is that God gives power. God gives nations. God gives authority. And he's got the wrong message right now. It's an ego-centered life that he's living. Now, y'all, this is not just Nebuchadnezzar because you and I do it too. You think about, look at what I've done. Look at the job I've made. Look at the work that I've done. Even in the church, look what I do every Sunday. It's easy. Verse 31. While the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you. You shall be driven from among men and your dwelling shall be with the beast of the field. You shall be made to eat grass like an ox. And seven periods of time will pass over you. Gosh, he's remembering this as it's being spoken. Can you imagine hearing that voice from heaven speaking this? And you go, oh no, 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 not the tree. Until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of man and gives it to whom he will. Immediately the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from among men and ate grass like an ox. His body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair grew as long as eagle's feathers and his nails were like bird's claws. There is a scientific um, phenomenon or uh, in the DSM, they, that's the medical manual called lycanthropy, lycanthropy. Say it again, lycanthropy. Medical condition of thinking you are or have become an animal. Probably many of you when you were young may have crawled around like a cat or a dog and, and been playing. I can remember doing that. Hannah used to do it all the time. She would eat from the bowl and everything. No, she wouldn't. But this is the real deal right here. He thinks he's an animal. He's acting like an animal. He's living like an animal. Verse 34, 
At the end of the days, and here's Nebuchadnezzar speaking again. I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven and my reason came to me. Now, church, let me, let me build this out biblically for you. And my reason came to me. Can you think of another story in the scripture where reason came to somebody? Where did reason come to somebody when they were even with the animals? Maybe some pigs. Maybe they had left their loving father. Yeah. Let me read that to you from Luke chapter 15. That's the chapter of lost and found. Luke chapter 15. You ever need to know. Lost coin, lost sheep, lost son. Luke chapter 15. But when I, but look at verse 17. But when he came to himself. Now, different translations speak of that different ways. You can look at your translation. Um, some translations, but when he came to his senses, when reason returned to him, when he had his right mind again, he said, oh, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? I'm here with hunger. He comes and realizes the grace of God, or in this case, the grace of his father. And as Jesus tells this story, there is a reckoning that goes on. There's an awakening that happens. And I want to ask all of you here today, has that happened for you? Have you come to your senses and recognized the grace that God has shown to you? Because that is the greatest moment that you can ever have. When you recognize the grace of God in Jesus Christ, that a Savior, perfect and spotless, died for you, a sinner, wretched, dirty, before God, that you can in Him become righteous and live and be cleansed and made into what you were created to be, a God-honoring, not egocentric, Steve, person. This is the beauty of being born again. And you recognize it because you're never the same after. You recognize, okay, I want to love my Lord now. I want to serve my Lord now. I want to seek him now. I want to study him. I want to learn what his word says. I want to do what God has called me to do because I have come to life. The biblical authors talk about it in many ways, but but John in the book of Revelation speaks it as the the. Resurrection, the second resurrection. Beautiful image that he places there. And in 1 Corinthians, Paul says it like this in 1 Corinthians 15. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. And then the next phrase here says, wake up from your drunken stupor. And literally what the, the Greek is saying is come to your senses. Be awakened. To your right mind. This is salvation. This is an awakening. And oh this is such a a fantastic study. If you can dig into it some more. God did not leave Nebuchadnezzar. As an animal in the field. God did not leave him lost in his 
lostness. Verse 34 again. Daniel 4. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven and my reason returned to me. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. You see it? Have you had that type of moment? Do you constantly have that type of moment? I mean, these are things that I think of over and over. Blessed be the God most high. Praise and honor him who lives forever. Can we not repeat that every day? For his dominion is an everlasting dominion. God rules from heaven. Beautiful. His kingdom endures from generation to generation to generation to generation. That's the God we know. That's the God we serve. He rules and reigns time after time. He's the hope of the ages. Verse 35. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. And he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. Is that how you know God? Do you understand that God is a God who does what he wants in heaven and on earth? He's God. We we don't need to sell God short. We don't need to make excuses for him. We don't need to understand him as less than who he is. He is God that he does what he wants. I mean, even Nebuchadnezzar, a pagan man, can understand this. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted to him as nothing. He does according to his will among the host of heaven, among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? We can't even question what God has done. At the same time, my reason returned to me. And for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty and splendor returned to me. My counselors and my Lord sought me, and I was established back into my kingdom. And still more greatness was added to me. Like, what what is going on here? This story really reminds me of the story of Job, does it not? In, In many ways, not all of them, but you have a man, he's very blessed. God takes away all of the things that he's given him. And he comes to recognize the greatness of God. Job sat and complained of God. And then God says, well, where were you when I did all these things? And questions Job himself. And Job says, I repent in sackcloth and ashes. You are God. I am nothing. Nebuchadnezzar, on his all fours, comes before God. God, you rule. God, you reign, and then God gives him back those things as a sign of God's mercy and grace. Let me tell you something, y'all. This is not only Job's story. It's not only Nebuchadnezzar's story. 
But who else's story is it? It's Stephen Balmer's story. It's Granny's story. Is it your story? God was so gracious, He gave us life and breath. And then, and then He took away something from us. He took away our sin. And as we recognize that, He gave us something else. The Spirit of God. Who now lives in us. And in him we live and move and have our being. Says the Apostle Paul. And now we worship him and recognize that he is the God eternal. He is the God most high. What a story. And it's, it's my story. And it's your story Christian. And if you're here today and you don't know that story. I encourage you. Why, why don't you take a moment and you bow down on all fours. Metaphorically or not. And come before God and say, God, I recognize that I too am like Nebuchadnezzar. And I too am like Job. And I too am like the other members of this church. I have fallen short. And I have rebelled and sinned against your holy way. And I can name the times I've done it. And the things that I've done. And I can show you the darknesses in my soul. But God, you have sent a great light. To bring light unto me. To bring salvation unto me. Lord I receive that. I repent of my old darkness. I want to pursue light. And like Nebuchadnezzar. I want to get out of the field. And be raised back into the kingdom. But this time into an eternal kingdom. The kingdom of God. The everlasting kingdom. God I want to be a part of who you are. I've said it once. I'll say it a thousand more times. Jesus saves sinners that repent. And He grants them entrance into the eternal kingdom. Verse 37 finishes out. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven. Can, can you agree? Can we praise, honor, and extol the King of heaven? The King of heaven, the King of kings. The Lord of lords, the most high God, for all his works are right and all of his ways are just. God doesn't mess up and we don't have to make excuses for him. And those who walk in pride, he is able to do what? He's able to humble. I've walked in pride. I still walk in pride many days. God humbles me. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. I praise the name of Jesus. Lord, you have humbled us. So many of us in this room, you have humbled us and brought us to the place where we know that Jesus Christ is Lord. We praise your name, God. Together, we lift it up. Lord, we ask that for those who have not lifted up the name of Jesus, who have not repented of their sin. Oh God, do a work in their soul. Transform them from the inside out. Bring grace to those who hear this morning and rescue them like you rescued Nebuchadnezzar and Job and Keith Horton.
and Stephen Baltimore and Granny. Oh God, save souls we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen.